Welcome to For Fin Tech Sake, everybody. I'm Zach Anderson Pettit, U.S. Content Director at Money 2020, and your unqualified host. I feel especially unqualified this week in this conversation. You've all seen the news by now, I know, about SVB, and it's probably taken over your life the way that it has everyone else's in the industry for the past few days. After those wild few days of trying to understand what's happening in the banking markets, we finally brought together a crack team that I've been working with all week that we've been trying to pull apart and understand what's going on here for an emergency pod. We've got Rachel Morrissey, Sanjeev Kalita, and Mickey Tesfe with us. We wanted to give our quick, hopefully decently thought through take on what, why, how, and what questions we still have as to this whole situation. I think we've all got more questions than answers at this point, to be candid, but we're trying our best. This is all personal opinions, not the opinions of Money 2020, to be very, very clear. We're all nerds, and candidly, we're all a bit scared. This feels like a moment in history, and we wanted to get together for a little therapy session, if nothing else. We weren't sure, honestly, if we were even going to publish it. But as I was scrolling through my podcast this morning, I simply wanted something about SVB to listen to so I could feel less alone with my concerns and fears. Hopefully this does that for you. There were a couple of Wi-Fi issues, so it's not perfect. I mostly blame Mickey's Wi-Fi in London, but the sound levels aren't up to normal standards. I really just wanted to get this out into the world. As they say, felt cute, might delete later. This is a felt helpful, might delete later. We won't actually, I don't think, but without further ado, let's jump in. The first voice you'll hear is Rachel Morrissey's, and here we go. Hey everyone, welcome to the money pot, or for fintech's sake, depending on where we're brave enough to put this. Uh, this is Rachel Morrissey, and here with me is Sanjeev Kalita. Mickey Tasfaya and Zach Pettit. And we are talking today about the Silicon Valley Bank closure. So today the FDIC closed Silicon Valley Bank in a nearly unbelievable fast set, nearly unbelievably fast set of events. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank was established in 1983. And over the course of the last 40 years, it's become a rock of the startup world. It's fostered the skyrocketing growth of tech companies and it is almost impossible to overstate the influence on the development of the tech world. I am sure documentaries are being commissioned by Netflix as we speak. Uh, so to get us started, I've got a couple of questions um, that I'm just going to pose to this fine group of gentlemen and we're going to discuss them. Uh, I think the first one I'm going to I'm going to send Mickey's way to kind of start us off. Uh, so let's let's talk about just what sparked the events this week, what sparked the events of the run on uh, Silicon Valley Bank? Um, thanks, Rich. So, obviously, yeah, I guess a lot of that information is still coming through, but I think what we know is that um, Silicon Valley Bank, especially from 2020 onwards, saw a substantial growth in its um, deposits, but that wasn't matched by the growth in its loan book. Um, and essentially what had happened was while this, this balance sheet was growing substantively, that happened at a very low interest uh, rate period. Um, so what they, what, a decision was made at the bank to uh, lock off essentially about 50% of uh, the balance sheet, around $90 billion, 
in long-term uh, dated securities yielding 1.6% or below. Now, obviously, as we've seen in the ecosystem with the, some of the challenges that have emerged over the past 18 months, a lot of the uh, clients of this bank were startups and two kind of issues emerged. On the one hand, a lot of these clients reduced their deposits or started withdrawing either because of credit crunch on their own businesses or because of the fact that the Federal Reserve had started raising interest rates, which had meant there was other places and other banks which offered a higher return on those deposits. Now, because such a substantive amount of the deposits were locked away for Silicon Valley Bank, bank what ended up happening was it had incurred a significant difference or a loss on what it had locked up and what the assets were valued at right now. Now, to kind of, so this forced it to reposition its balance sheet. But to do so, it had to take a big hit. It tried to sell about 20% of its liquid assets, and doing so meant it would take a $2 billion impairment cost, right, on those assets. Um, and then a second, and a second problem started emerging out of that. That created some degree of panic. We might call it miscommunication. So... Um, startups and their venture capital uh, backers, especially given the worries, were urging these startups to start withdrawing their money. Now, because of the fact that it catered specifically to these businesses, the insurance on these accounts was limited to $250,000 per account. If we are trying to be, I guess, pedantic, you can say up to you know, 750000 for example, if there's two of you and a child, right, with accounts there. So then that creates a classic bank run problem of people trying to withdraw money, the bank having to liquidate assets at a pace that was not possible. Initially, there appeared to be some agreement to raise some funds through a mixture of financing, through a mixture of uh, stock, uh, stock offering, because of just the speed at which this had started to emerge, the run was just too difficult to contain. And that is really what we're starting to see crystallized. So, Sanj, I'm just going to take it to you for a minute. Like, have you, have you ever seen anything quite like this? So I, I actually worked at Citibank uh, during the financial crisis. Right. Um, so that was actually... A pretty crazy time. Um, I, I remember watching the news, and and you know the news was the place where we learned about how horrible a situation mm-hmm. it was at the place that I was working at, and so it, it was actually a very surreal time. Um, and, and 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 so I, I think a, qu- a quick message is for any friends working at Silicon Valley Bank that you know it, you know, just it, 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 it will seem crazy, but, you know, once you get past it, I, I think, you know, the, the, the good thing is that um, the name of Silicon Valley Bank has not been besmirched by anything that seems um, grossly negligent at this point. And, no. And, 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 and so I, I think the name of Silicon Valley Bank will continue to have weight. So, you know, if you're there right now, uh, or, you know, wh- whatever that next institution is, um, 
I, you know, I, I think that that's still, a, a, you know, don't, don't worry about that. But just <laughs> it, 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 it is a, a question of like, you know, where do I get my bearings? I think that hopefully that provides some context. I am. Uh, I mean, I have been thinking a little bit about the people working there, obviously, the depositors who didn't get out. Right. Uh, we're talking about some pretty severe effects across um, the industry we serve. And we know a lot of these people. Um, we know a lot of them and we know how hard that they've been working. We are talking about a bank that, I mean, uh, there's a very cold analysis that we can give about the nature of the finances and what they were doing, blah, blah, blah. But at the heart of it all, Silicon Valley Bank was serving uh, startups, right? They were serving the ideas behind innovation, behind creativity, behind the growth, the behind solving problems that that. Uh, became more apparent to us through other things. So I, I agree with you. I think that uh, people at Silicon Valley Bank, the people working there just know that, you know, we're all behind you. We all are um, feeling very much that you're, um, uh, we're, we imagine how you're feeling tonight. We, we're, we're feeling it with you all. Um, I wonder a little bit though, um, when we look at this, there's some macroeconomic issues that obviously fed into this, like uh, Mickey was saying. The inflation and the way that we've decided to tackle inflation has been kind of part of this. Um, and then Zach and I were talking a little bit earlier today. We were looking at banks that could possibly be in a similar strait that could um, could undergo a panic like this. And they all have a lot of investment in bonds. Um, and that's where the investors are looking at and going, well, these have heavy investment in bonds as well. Um, and bonds right now, uh, the you know, they are um, they're not having the same kind of return that uh, staves off the rise in interest rates and the kind of squeezing of money. So I, I'm wondering about that. What do you guys see? What are you guys thinking about about that that part of the equation? Mickey um, or Zach or Sanj, any of you jump in. It's fine. I'm stuck on fuck if I know, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I mean, this is all like, I, I don't think that I've been trained in the right set of like macroeconomic stipulations to actually be able to pull this apart. And I like, despite having spent enough time in community banking, not enough time, having spent some time in community banking, like getting to spend a lot of time with the C-suite and actually like be able to ask these questions, you know, like earlier today, I called the CEO of the bank I used to work for and he shared you know, off the record, a number of things with me that aren't really off the record, but it's just stuff that you can only learn if you sit in that seat and if you have to make those decisions, you know? And I think where I'm at is, I mean, yeah, we have the list of, you know, the banks that have had to stop trading today as a result of, sure. you know, just awkward public market stuff. But I mean, I think that we probably, because of FTX and a number of, you know, other frauds that we've seen over the last couple of years, like, my question is, what are the non-publicly traded situations right now? You know, and I mean, granted, they have to report to the FDIC. They like a lot of that is still public information. So I don't even know if I'm worried about other private banks. I think I'm just at a point where I'm like, who do I trust anymore? What do I trust? Like, what is my religion? You know, like, I don't even know. This is like a very kind of like, I don't know. I'm just I, I, th I think I'm second guessing the world at this point. I mean, this just all happens so fast that I don't even know what to think about any of the next steps. Well, and 
Yeah, sorry, Sanj, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Just, just, just sort of uh, to take it back to, like, when I was at City, for example, like, when, like, for example, when our, when the stock went to nothing, I, I, I just knew many, many people who had worked there for 30, 40 years who had their entire retirement investments in City stock and who were, like, on the verge of retirement or who had yeah. already retired and whose lives were completely changed in a very negative way. And 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 so that 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 fear that you know that that's that I think that fear, um, if it catches on, in in the banking community, uh, which I, I hope it doesn't. I you know, it, it, but I think Zach hit the right point. Is like is a point of trust, and 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 you know, do I trust that if I keep my money in a bank that it will be there? Um, that that's a fundamental question, and and it, it's a bit of like. Um, you know the the world is flat like do you believe that or not <laughs> well here here's something you know about the trust question that i'm finding sort of interesting and also about the nature of the panic uh earlier today i mean it became very obvious to us that part of the nature of the panic was the the social media and the the fact that twitter was used as a way to spread the word in a way that maybe wasn't <laughs> really fair right um so uh, one silicon valley bank kind of told everybody they said calm down we've got this it's going to be okay but people walked away from that meeting and basically told their portfolio companies to get out right so there was this sense of transparency on silicon valley bank where they trusted their customers to trust them. And they had this transparency going forward. And those customers went out and in via a very mimetic nature, kind of exacerbated all of the issues that they were facing. And I wonder about the nature of that. Um, because how we talk about trust being a cornerstone of all of this, but it feels like there was, uh, I, I'm wondering about whether or not this is going to make banks feel like transparency is a no-win game for them and that maybe that isn't the way for them to garner trust. Because this is not this is not a great uh, but, example for people. But yeah. were they were they transparent, though? Mm. I mean, <clears throat> they they have come to be, but were they in the earlier days? And if, if you were a startup founder yeah. and a bank CEO tells you, don't panic, we got it, with some more words at the end, like, to but be honest. But we aren't talking all, about I've... any bank CEO. We're talking about SVP. <laughs> right, but most of, most of us that have not most of us, many of us that are functioning today either grew up through or to Sanja's point worked through 2008. Right. So sure. yeah, I, yes, it is SVB, but also FTX was FTX fucking sure. six months ago. You know, wire like card was wire card. Wire card was wire card. And again, we're not, I'm not saying, and I am not conjecturing. No, no, no. That this They're is not the same at all. Like that. Not the same at all. Like Just people I think will, trust. right. Yeah. They will get their name back or they will get the money back. But the question is like, what happens between here and there? Right. And if you're a startup founder and the CEO says, eh, don't worry about it. You know, even if it is better phrased than that, like all I just heard is wait, 
Uh, okay, that's and I'm taking all my money and I'm leaving, yeah. right? Like I think that there's a very like reverse psychology piece of this that is that kind of is what led to that Twitter thing, right? Well, but do you yeah, think? I that, mean, I that, think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry to interject. I think that I think what we're discussing there, right, is the very nature of what a bank run is. There, I think you make a good point about Twitter, but I think where I would potentially push back on that is when we think about Bear Stearns or Lehman Brothers, right? These things occurred without Twitter. Yeah. But that is the very nature of a bank run, essentially, even potentially stable businesses, right? Because of the way in which the structure of the financial system is, right? Can end up in this situation out of even no fault of their own, really. Any bank, if if people are organized enough, can, can have a run on it because you know, we've seen this happen in the UK with Northern Rock, when Washington Mutual, the biggest bank failure in the US history happened. These things, you know, bank runs are not historically a new thing. I absolutely get the Twitter point and it might have expedited that process. But well, I and think... I think it exacerbated the panic. That's my thing. I think that Twitter, I think it became it became mimetic. It came it came to the point of if you you be the don't be the last man standing in the bank run, right? I mean, but I, I think, think that that happens with bank runs. But I think the fundamental challenge for for a Silicon Valley bank, right, was that essentially there was an actual financial gap, right? If you a liquidity got, say, problem, if you right. had ninety, not just a liquidity problem, it's beyond liquidity, right? It's an income problem. If they had assets worth ninety billion dollars okay. that were locked up, and the value of those assets is now say ten percent down, and it's eighty percent, where does that ten billion come from? Now, if someone is going to buy it, a private bank, J P Morgan, let's say for example, or any bank, why would they want to take a ten billion dollar impairment? What makes so this is the the nature of I think a bank run. Essentially, you end up in a situation, not out of choosing or even necessarily out of bad decisions, but because a set of things come and create a perfect storm. For instance, you know, two years ago it looked like decent. Potentially, you can argue that they were not diversified enough, but gaining 1.6% yield you might think was all right, makes sense, especially if you're not growing your loan book at a rate which is going to be significantly um, let's say you know dangerous for your business then it makes sense that you try to secure and you're doing it on the most secure set of assets possible who could have foreseen this happening so I think yeah. I absolutely get the point but I think it's also part of the thing I think is that, and the trust thing but what becomes really interesting right is in 2008 or 7 when Ben, ben Bernanke says actually the system is fine the fact that you go out and say something like that creates in itself an issue. So right. today, if the system was fine, Janet Yellen wouldn't go out and say it's fine. Right? It creates a thing of, just as Zach said, who do you trust? Well, if, right. if, if it's fine, why are you telling me it's fine? You wouldn't tell me it's fine if it's a small thing. Right? So I think there is a big psychological thing, and it's the very nature of speculative things and bank runs, I believe. Sandra being really quiet here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, because I, I too am trying to get a sense of where we are, and I, I don't know if I, I've got a great answer. And yeah. In, and it, it, it's a bit of, um, uh, it's it's a mixture of, uh, you know, the, the, there's so many, so many, this this news is like a bomb in the entire ecosystem. Yep. And 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 how 
do we recover from this? How do we build beyond this? And I, I and how long will it take? Um, it, it, it's yeah. um, the, these are all questions I've got in my mind, <laughs> and that, that's why I'm quiet because like I'm like, what the heck do we do? <laughs> well, and we that that's something that's been that's been going through my mind. You know, you you hear this, and from some of the earlier prognosticators who were were you know a warning that that some of these banks might be over leveraged or they they might they might have an income problem, as Mickey put it. Uh, they're they're saying you know this is the tip of the iceberg, but I'm kind of hoping it's not the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I'm hoping it's the iceberg. You know, I'm hoping that this is this is kind of it that we've been able to stem it because I would hate to see this continued panic or this sense of of what's gone on to to promote what's happening here. That was sort of part of my point with the my ideas around the the mimetic nature of Twitter and the way that this spread and the the fact that people uh, who are the customers of this bank may be over attuned to the nature of what can happen. So therefore they acted a lot faster than people typically would. Um, and I'm, I, I just, I'm just kind of hoping that they'll, they'll calm down before, before it's, it spreads to other banks, you know, that they'll take a minute here before that this becomes a, a, a panic mode instead of us taking a breath before before we, we we take a hard look at what happens to other institutions um should the government have made an effort to bail this out in my mind or in mickey's mind because we're fighting about it i, I would love <laughs> i would love both versions because i i keep coming back to like how much in 2008 the bailout actually accrued value into some of the largest organizations and largest corporations and ended up in stock buybacks and ended up in like yeah i don't know i i have a lot of i have a lot of pros and a lot of cons about the bailouts in 08 and this one mm -hmm. feels so much closer to main street this one feels like it actually really impacts people in a very clear way where like this is going to have a gigantic impact to Main Street straight away. I more agree. clearly to me, but I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. What give me give me both sides. Okay, so Mickey, do you want to take the we shouldn't bail these guys out or should I yeah, take I mean, the I, I, I think I'm one I would one hundred percent say we shouldn't have it should they shouldn't be bailed out. Um fundamentally a lot of the startups that we talk about are great businesses, no doubt. But a lot of them exist because of the low interest rate market we've had. That is what has substantially boosted yep. venture capital investment. You can criticize America for a lot of things, but the one thing I would pr probably say is the greatest thing about it is this idea that you know, a startup, you take risks because you have this wild idea, you put everything on the line to do something. That is the very nature of a startup, right? It's a risk-laden business. <clears throat> and you are going to expect at some point, right, risk does not exist with, with a complete flaw, right? It wouldn't be a startup environment in that way. And part of the analysis I've seen is that the cause of this, right, is the Federal Reserve hiking rates. But the very reason that the Silicon Valley, Valley Bank got to this position was that since 2008, money has been cheap which has flown into these very startups. Zach, I completely disagree with you about 2008 and Main Street 
because actually 2008 impacted people who had incomes and bought houses it impacted real people in the realest ways right now actually a lot of these startups great businesses run by great people that we know but it doesn't change the fact in my opinion that these startups were able to exist get the funding that they did right because of the fact that we had a low interest rate environment for the last 15 16 years at some point if you've enjoyed the fruits of that i think you have to expect at some point you have to take in the costs of it too in my opinion otherwise what is the point of running a startup or being called a startup where is the risk this is my view on it you know and also you know rachel i don't think we disagree necessarily that much this isn't my view isn't that people who get hurt by it individuals shouldn't be supported by governments or whatnot but we've seen bailouts all they end up doing is you know stimulating these businesses who end up you know usually cutting employees the people we talk about protecting how many tech layoffs have we seen in the last three months from these really big companies just in january over a hundred thousand jobs were cut if these companies aren't protecting them why should the taxpayer then go ahead and protect them is i know it sounds like a harsh view but that's my view on it i think a government no, I, I actually the, the individuals I think the reason that I'm asking the question is because I think 2008 was such a shit show and that the money got used absolutely in the way that it was mostly not supposed to be used that, and, and I'm, I'm almost comparing 2008 to right now, which probably I shouldn't be cause that's a really scary sentence, but I, that's kind of where my head's at in terms of like, if you had to do the 08 bailout or if you had to do this one, I vote this one. Right. But it, that's not the way the world yeah, I mean, works, even, but that's kind of what one, I was trying to ask. One thing I would add though, even this one, right. What we're seeing right now, the ballooning of a balance sheet, like Silicon Valley came from 2020 bailouts, right? Yeah. Why yeah, did yeah, yeah, fund yeah, yeah. Our, our industry alone, you, you see it going venture capital funding going from 70, 80 billion to 140 billion in a year. That money didn't come out of anywhere, did it? It literally went into these people. So we're asking. Yeah, no, it came out, it came out of SoftBank. You know, so like. I, I, some I of it. <laughs> yeah. But, some of I it think... came out of PPP. Some of it came out of, you know, bailouts of, of us trying to, to maintain uh, people's employment without, uh, you know, infecting the whole world, which yeah. I'm not sure that we, we struck that compromise very well. Um, however, um, the, the part where I might disagree with you, Mickey, is that I, I get what you're saying, but there's multiple ways that they could have extended help, I think, without it being a straight bailout, or as, as we like to call it. There are ways that we could have guaranteed loans, or I, it was, the fact is, is we, FDIC acted very quickly, and I think they acted very quickly in order to make this the iceberg and not the tip of the iceberg right they were trying to say let's let's quell uh this before it it, it bleeds to other institutions and see if we can um hold up other institutions in some ways that is familiar with 2008 because because they did let a couple of companies go before they they tried to stop the the sink right the sink <laughs> what was happening and but but my thing about this is um I think that the I think that the fact is is this is in two thousand eight a lot of a lot of what caused the bank's pain was their own sense of glee at figuring out this new kind of security they could sell right, whereas in this S 
SVB was squeezed a little bit by the fact that we are having uh, inflation due to uh, the recovery of the pandemic and the nature of the supply chains being backed up the way they were, and that we are trying to quell that inflation, right? So then they got squeezed by policy that that wasn't necessarily predictable. And I don't think that that that, that their sheet was, that their balance or the, the way they were leveraged was necessarily completely their fault. You know, they, they were caught in a bad timing more than anything to me. So I think we could, I think we could have extended them loans that were really low interest to kind of buoy them up. I could, I do. I don't think we have to give them money, but I think we could have extended them loans that were very low interest to buoy them up for now to kind of quell this and kind of steady the ship. I don't see anything that would have been major backfire of that. Yeah, I mean, I I think my biggest concern is the next like couple weeks. You know, I think like I, I think if like yeah. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm pro or con bailout. I don't like. Yeah, I, think I don't I'm either. I mean, I get gener- it. Yeah, I think I'm generically anti, but like what happens if we have a huge extinction event over like the next month or something because the cash flow associated with these, like they can't make payroll, right? I'm still stuck on payroll. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm looking at all the, I'm going through Twitter today and like, why is no one talking about making payroll? I'm confused about why they are. Go to link, go to LinkedIn. People are Are they now? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been off for like 25 minutes, which is like 16 days. You know, I don't know how you, I don't know how you survived (laughs) that long. How did you get air, Zach? (laughs) I mean, I think, can I, you know, on that point too, though, right? We have to be careful about how we think, right? If, companies are distressed payroll is not going to be the first beneficiary of capital that's liquid that's injected into it typically in a distressed company you're going to have preferential investors who are going to get their money that's why companies the companies aren't distressed the bank is but i think part of it is that if you think about it the the way i'm thinking about it anyway tell me how you're thinking about it becky yeah He's again, thinking about I, it as the system is distressed, and that's I, why. I, I think, again, my thinking is that I love fintech because it's innovative. It's out there doing different things, crazy things, let's call it. That comes with a risk, right? We've seen the exuberant valuations that we've seen this year. There's a lot yeah. of companies in our ecosystem that are distressed, and they are distressed because of poor management and bad decisions. There sure. are a lot, And the fact that, like, our ecosystem is not able to withstand something like this suggests that there is a systemic systemic issue there. Now, part of the thing I think that emerged out of 2008 and the error that we made was that we spent so much money trying to prop really fundamentally unsound businesses as opposed to deploying that money towards things that would be, you know, better suited, whether that's deploying it into smaller companies, whether that's finding a way to actually send and channel that money into individuals to actually do something with. Because a lot of what we've seen is when big established institutions take these money, the end beneficiary is not the people who we think are going to get it, but the ones who yeah. end up paying, paying for it are us. So that makes no sense to me. We are literally saying they, they make a mistake, we will pay for it because we think we're going to get the benefit. But then we don't get the benefit and the people who did the mistake end up walking away. 
doing well. So you well. just don't trust that, the, that any money, you don't trust any kind of bailout or any kind of, that SVB could have controlled the way that that, that, that was uh, working. Okay, so I'm not saying this clearly, I, I, but... I think the point you made earlier on was about Twitter, the Twitter element, right? But what mm -hmm. we've seen is the venture capital firms telling their portfolios to withdraw mm -hmm. that money. If we, mm -hmm. if we, if, and, and, you know, I don't, again, I know I sound kind of harsh, but if we look at the cold light of day, we talk about Silicon Valley Bank being the partner of uh, our ecosystem for 40 years, and it took 14 hours for that ecosystem that was supported to, to abandon it. So what does that say? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I would actually sort of think about it like you're in a car and you have a suspension system that like sort of helps you manage over the bumps in the road. And, 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 and so the Silicon Valley bank is driving along and it hits a pothole. And then everyone in the car who's in that says, okay, jump really right now and like, you're 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 exactly <laughs> that pothole <laughs> make that pothole that much worse yeah so i i i i think it, it's like a sort of a crazy situation like I, I think that's that's exactly what it felt like yeah that's that's exactly what i mean but you are right like i mean mickey i see that you have a point that that you you might not be able to trust the people that are actually driving this in the first place, right? Like like Sandra's saying, if everybody's gonna jump up and down and make the pothole bigger, exact moment when the car is trying to get away from you know the troubles, then then a, you know a bailout might be a waste. It might go all the wrong places, and it might not go to as Zach's point to the payroll, you know, which is where where we would want it to go. We would want it to. Make sure that it, it steadied that ship. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so, I think, and I think, yeah, sorry, Sanj. No, no, I, no, go, go ahead. I think what I was going to say is, when I say all of that, by the way, this isn't to blame, for example, the, the, the startup, no? the owners, who, the startup founders who've parked their money there, not because they've done anything wrong, right? The system has let them down, ultimately. That 100% we can agree on, I think. And I feel, you know, it's, it's horrifying to hear the story. We personally know of people involved, right? And it's incredibly sad, 100%. But, you know, when, when, if this was to happen in crypto or a different industry, you know, we, we accept it is happening in crypto. Of, but when, <laughs> I think when it happened in, in FTX or something like that, right? Mm. We're like, well, the nature of risk is that. Right. And the nature of risk here is the same, too. That is why we love startups, because it can go really well. They could go to dust, too. We are less shocked by the Silvergate. Yeah. Situation than but, we are by the, uh, the the Silicon Valley Bank situation. I still think there's so much to shake out here with the SVB thing, though, because, I mean, if you think about if you think about like the way that the average series a series b series c is constructed yeah right? there's a lot of like i think Stuart sop was the um earlier today tweeted about uh just kind of tweeted about the situation generally but was talking about how money uh, how certain companies had money trapped in uh covenants by venture debt yep. so it's like not like i i don't i don't even know the right like i'm not smart enough to understand this whole thing and i'm not smart enough to know the right questions to ask but I am curious what this is going to mean for, and this is probably like not the right thing to be focused on at all, 
but it feels like a canary in the coal mine kind of thing. Like, what does this mean for venture returns over the next however many years? Right? Does like if mm -hmm. uh, is it if if some companies will die, but does SVB shutting down inherently impact returns in some way? I, it just feels like there's so many moving parts here and taking in the venture debt piece in addition to the just the venture capital piece. Like, I need a yeah. beer. I think that's the thing is it's so intertwined with so many different pieces of 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 the industry. It's so intertwined with so many people. It was, it's not just I mean, we talk about it like it's we're we talk, we're talking about it like there's a few startups that have a bank account there. <laughs> and, right. that, and that is not what this is. <laughs> I think it's fifty percent of all the uh, tech venture backed tech startups and life science startups in the US bank with Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah. I think that, that total market is worth around $10 trillion. We might be overstating. We might be so deep into 2023 and have experienced everything since 2020 that our brains just go to the worst case scenario all the time now and don't consider what could go right. You know, <laughs> like my brain, as soon as all this happened today, my brain went to, oh God, that's the end of the world. Like this, we're never coming back from this, you know, and maybe in a couple of weeks, we're actually not that bad. I don't know. I'm talking completely out of the other side of my mouth now, but who knows? You know what? Actually fucking, this is the last thing I'll say. Sans, your earlier point, I think, was really good about coming out of 2008 and like the that th this too shall pass sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most valuable pieces of content that I've gotten to be involved in of late um, was, was a conversation that we actually had in Vegas on the off the record stage at Money 2020 last year in the U.S. Uh, with two ex compliance oriented individuals. Um, and it was on the off the record stage. If you want to do the research to go find it, you can. Um, but I think they wanted to stay off the record, so I will not mention their names. Um, but they were both involved in pulling apart and tearing down GE capital, the bank, uh, as they were kind of unwinding from that. And both of these women are to this day, leaders and utter fucking badasses in fintech and in finance and i think that they were formed into the humans that they are today by that experience and they did that whole thing and like i think it was a set of days or weeks or it was really fast and i think anybody that's at svb or whatever we're calling it now anybody that's at even some of the companies that were banking there like this is your ge unwind you know, this is, or your GE capital unwind. Like this is that moment that feels fucking terrible. This is that moment that feels like you're never going to get through it, but like one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, and then look back in a few weeks and you will be through it. I hope. Um, but eventually you will be through it. I guarantee. Right. So I think that's probably the most helpful, helpful thing I can come up with to pull out of my ass in the midst of all this over the last, however many hours. I mean, what a day guys, what a day. Well, I hope that was helpful, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the time with Mickey, Sanjeev, and Rachel. Uh, as you can tell, we're still sorting it out on our heads. There will be more to come. Uh, I believe we're going to do another emergency podcast Monday morning that should go out Monday afternoon uh, that will be not with this group, but with a different group. I'm just going to do what I can to talk to a lot of different people as this kind of unfolds. 
I'm also going to do what I can to talk to interesting people behind the scenes and be able to share anonymously kind of what they're telling me because I think most of the most of the most interesting opinions right now are hidden behind closed doors. So with that, don't forget to subscribe, write, review, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, rate, review. I'm tired, y'all. This has been a rough few days. Subscribe, rate, review, and all the other things I'm supposed to remind you to do in your favorite podcast app. And if you want our weekly emails, which this week I think is going to be a little longer and a little deeper, go to forfintechsake.com and subscribe there. Until next time, folks, stay healthy. Keep your head high. I love you all. We're going to get through this, everybody. We're going to get through this.